Well, I can't remember a time in my uh, ministry history where I've been as convinced as I am now that God is up to something amazing. And uh, if you talk to our leaders around here, you talk to one another, you will know that, that coming past this Christmas season of ministry, there are still conversations that are going on that are related to salvation and, God, and people getting right with God. And uh, I just believe that, uh, that 2012 is going to be the greatest year ever at Calvary Baptist Church. I really believe that in my heart. God is up to some amazing things. And uh, starting with uh, uh, the kickoff on, on last Sunday morning where Pastor Calvin challenged us to, uh, to be people of the Word of God. Uh, the reason that we lack power in our lives is because we don't know the Scriptures. And, and what a great blessing that was as he, as he vaulted us into the new year. By the way, Happy New Year to all of you. And uh, God bless you, I love you very much, and I'm glad to be here pastoring another year and, and serving you, and excited about what God is doing in our midst, and what He's going to do in our midst. And then I'm really excited about next Sunday night. Um, it's, it's really an unprecedented reality that's coming upon us, whereby 20 plus different churches from different denominations across the whole spectrum of the Durham region, from Newcastle to Pickering, are either canceling their evening service and moving it here to Calvary, or are um, challenging their people to come to Calvary for a service that we're going to have next Sunday night. A calling on the name of the Lord to save people, to save our students, to have the campus ministry here. And there's going to be 100 campus kids here or, or so, and, and all of those church people. And, and I just want to encourage you as Calvary. I know that, that often we don't come out Sunday night, and I don't really get on you for about that, although you should come out Sunday night. But I'm telling you, this is a mandatory attendance. This one you have to be at. Uh, I, I believe with all of my heart that the scriptures teach us that the blessings of God are conditioned on the passion of God's people. I, I can give you a dozen or more scriptures that start the, with this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. If you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. God is looking for passion. He's looking for urgency. He's looking to bless a people who actually care about the things of God. And I really believe that you have amped it up, you've ramped it up, whatever description we want to use, and throughout this Christmas time, as you've invited people, as you're talking to people, people are getting saved, and I really think it's on your heart that God would break through in this region and make a difference. And so um, I'm calling on you to jam this place out next Sunday night. I, I don't want there to be any room. We'll, we'll open up overflows. We're going to send a message heavenward. That we are serious about what God wants to do in this community. And so uh, I, I, I'm excited. I, I want to tell you that I believe that God is going to heal marriages. He's going to heal people of illnesses. He's going to save people this year. He's going to get people right with one another. He's going to do mighty and powerful things that, that are beyond our wildest imagination. And, and I really think he's already given us his, his hints, his, his foretaste. And, and exciting things are, are, are about. So... Um, would you join with me in getting excited about what God is going to do? I mean, seriously, would you? Because, uh, because I, I, think, I think we have every reason to be really excited. And, and, and so I was, I was uh, 
in following after Pastor Kelvin last week, thinking, what would God want us to do with, deal with this morning? Um, and, and I'm going to jump back into Daniel, of course, next week and, and finish that off. I, I actually thought we'd be finished Daniel by now, but you know how things go. And we have six more chapters to handle, and it's a, it's a very str- strategic section on the future. And, um, and, and, of course, Daniel chapter 7 starts off by saying that, that there's uh, Daniel prophesying about the everlasting kingdom and the dominion of Christ that is coming. And, uh, and, and, and so that's the presentation of the future. But there are things that we need to get ready for in the present in our lives to make way for the coming of the Lord and for the work of the Lord. And uh, I was thinking, so where would you go after Christmas? What would be the, the sensible message to bring after Christmas? After, you, after Matthew chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 2, what would be the sensible place to go? The first session was pretty smart. I'm waiting for you to be smart. Matthew 3, 4. Yes, you're very smart. That would be sensible, wouldn't it? You say, you know, on the heels of Christmas, where did the gospel writers go? It seemed to me that that might be a good place to go. So, and, and, and not surprising at all, there is the message that leaps at us right away in Matthew chapter 3. John the Baptist says, Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. The very thing Daniel prophesied. Our Father and our God, this morning as we um, gather together and as we have gathered together and we've lifted up our voices to praise you in anticipation of your, your greatness and your blessing and to thank you for all that you've done for us, to thank you for the blessings of 2011 and to look forward with anticipation to the great things that the glory of Christ is going to accomplish among us through us, uh, because of your great namesake, Lord. And, and so we, we bring ourselves to you, we present ourselves to you this morning, and ask, Lord, that you do some mop-up work in our lives. We need to be consecrated. We, we realize, Lord, that before any great things are ever done in the scriptures, you call your people to assemblies, you call your people to consecration, you call your people to clean, do some clean-up work. And so we want to welcome the Holy Spirit of God to work in our lives as a people group, Father, as a community, uh, in preparation for, for the great things you want to do among us. And so, Lord, I pray that you will cause our hearts to be attentive and fired up in your presence this morning as we have this rich privilege, as Pastor Steve has already pointed out, a privilege, Lord, that, that we could call an assembly next Sunday night of our brothers and our sisters from across the region, and, and nobody would interfere. Oh, the evil one wants to interfere. Oh, he's going to work hard. But Lord, you've given us all the freedoms. Let us not take them for granted. Let us not miss the opportunities that are put before us. Let us work while it is still light, before the darkness comes, before it's too late. The kingdom of heaven is near. I pray, Father, that you might cause us now to take your word very seriously as as, uh, Kelvin exhorted us last week and throughout this year, Lord, to take your word seriously because we can't afford to live without your power. We can't afford to live without your power, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So would you open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3 and 4? We're not going to take the time to read these chapters. They're familiar sections to you, but I want to... I want to give with you uh, very quickly this morning, for, to set you up for 2011, a six-point checklist of spiritual priorities. 
And uh, it's in the bulletin for you. I've got uh, handout notes, and there are little boxes there that you can check off. And, and uh, if God has, has, has already kind of got victory in your life in that particular section of your life, then check it off. But if that's not an area of victory in your life, if that's an area that, that, that is still in need of some great work by God, then you don't check that off. And you look at that and stare at that and, and, and present it to the Lord as, as a, a desire in your heart to see God do that kind of work in your life this year. So I hope this will be helpful to you. It's right out of Matthew 3 and 4. And, um, and the, first, uh, the first checklist point is, it, it grows right out of the sermon of John the Baptist. It says, in those days... John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea. By the way, the desert, the wilderness is always the place where you meet God. You know this in your own life. What was it that brought you to salvation? What is it that brings you to sanctification? What is it that gets your attention? When is it that you hear God's voice? It's when you're in the wilderness. It's when you're in a desert place. It's in those tough times of life. And so here it is, John preaching in the desert, a place where, God, where you meet God. And he's saying to them, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. Over in chapter 4 and verse 17, Jesus Christ himself is preaching the same message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. What is this message? Repent. It is the message God is saying to all of us, I'm offended. It's... It's the, the first message, it's the starting point message of a recognition and awakening of our hearts that we have lived incorrectly before God and we need to face that in our lives and we need to make a turn in our life and turn completely and wholly toward God. And so in this first checklist of your life, you have to ask the question, have you turned fully from the kingdom of man to the kingdom of God? That's the message, the starting point message of Christ. It was the central message of Jesus. I'm offended. Now get it right with me. And join my kingdom. You see, unless you... The the message goes on with John the Baptist. He, He talks about the message of Isaiah. I'm a voice, he says. I'm just a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. That's the preparation work in your heart that must take place to make way for the Lord. Repent. Admit that you have not been living the way God wants you to live and turn to Him. The only way you will be able to hear the good news of the gospel, the only way that you will be able to join the kingdom of Jesus Christ is to admit that you're a sinner, that you've turned and lived your own way and that you must now turn fully to Jesus Christ. That's the message. You know, most of us know a number of people who have some sort of atmospheric relationship with Jesus Christ. They've come into some sort of contact with Christ. But we, we look at them and we realize they've never grown. They've never actually lived for him. What, what is the deal? They claim to believe in Jesus. I'll tell you what the deal is. The deal is a repentance issue. There are a lot of people who've tried to grab hold of salvation rather than embrace the grace of salvation. The grace of salvation is this. If you will come to Christ and confess that you are a sinner and you need him to forgive you of your sins and to save you, he will. That's repentance. 
That's how salvation takes place. And then every day of our lives after that, we're a repentant people. It's not a one-time event. It's repentance, repentance, repentance. It's admitting all the time, Lord, I know I've failed you today. I, I know I, I, I did this. Listen, did you, did you fail the Lord, the Lord Christ this week? I know I did. I had to come before him and repent. I've offended you. I've offended a holy God. I have to turn from the way I've been doing this and turn to God it's not only an act of salvation, it's an act of sanctification. That's why John the Baptist went on and preached the message, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. You see, there are a lot of people who continue or in some, in some way, they, they, have, uh, uh, they, they, they don't live for God because they've never admitted in their life that they didn't live for God. And so it requires an act of repentance, producing good fruit. God has been offended. Without this way, there's no way to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ, but to produce good fruit. The second thing that happened, he continued to preach the message. So there was repentance. And then he moved on in verse 6, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. He says in verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The state of human nature outside of Jesus Christ is sinful, self-righteous, and rebellious. And John the Baptist preached a sermon and asked the Sadducees and the Pharisees in verse 7 of chapter 3, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? The coming wrath or the judgment of God to which we all must submit. And there are two ways to face it. You can either face it head on with your sinfulness and face the full judgment of God and end up spending eternity in hell. Or you can repent of your sin and turn to Jesus Christ and hear the message of the gospel, embrace the message, respond to it, and become a member of the kingdom of heaven. And in so doing, there is an act that takes place that symbolizes you have in fact truly done that, that you've truly repented of your sins, and you've truly turned to Jesus Christ, and that act is baptism. Have you been baptized? If you are a follower or claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, this is a non-negotiable reality. You must be baptized. Baptism is a, a new creation symbol. You have the Holy Spirit of God. You have water. It's a, it's a, a, a remembrance or a, a, a hearkening upon the, the creative act of God at the very beginning where the Spirit of God hovered like a dove over the deep, over the water. The symbolism here is obvious that this is a creation work of God. And God's saying, if God's new creation work has happened in your life, then submit to the symbol of that work. 
Be baptized. Step into the water. Give your old sin life a funeral service. And be raised with Christ to a new life. Now, there's not negotiable. Jesus Christ himself, our master, our leader, our king, was not baptized because of his sinfulness. He explains here why he was baptized. To fulfill all righteousness. Because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, by his baptism, purposed himself that he would be fully in allegiance to God the Father in his life. And he was symbolizing by that act of baptism to set out in front of us to lead us in the ways that would please God and to fulfill all righteousness. And so I can say to you without, without uh, uh, question that if your spiritual life is derailed or is not really gaining traction or is not really where it ought to be, I can say without Uh, Without question, you need to to examine this point. Have you been baptized as a believer? Baptized as an infant? This is a decision you make to have a funeral service for your old sin life and be raised to a new life with Christ. If you haven't, then I can tell you your spiritual life will never be on track because this is an act of obedience. This is a command. This is not an option. Not only did our Lord and Savior model it and endorse it, he commanded it. So in 2012, we're going to have that tank full of water for the next few Sundays because I'm convinced it's already happened in the first service. There are going to be people who are coming up here talking to one of our pastors saying, I need to be baptized. If you've never been baptized, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, don't delay. Rush to the tank as soon as you can and be baptized. That's the command of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, after the baptism of Christ, the Lord God leads Christ into the desert to be tested, the time of temptation. The next three checkpoints in our lives are that place of wilderness, trial, struggle, toughness, by the way, led by God. Now, um, A baptism is always a spiritual high point in a person's life. And we have many times where there's spiritual high points in our lives. I'd like to think every Sunday morning here is a spiritual high point. It is for me. When we gather here and sing and honor Christ, man, when I leave this place on Sunday, I'm just all jazzed up for the next week because it's a spiritual high point. But um, it isn't too long until the phone rings or some kid does something stupid in your family or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? And you're, you're in the wilderness, you're in the desert real fast. And you know what? God leads us there. He, he, he wants us to be there. You know why? Not to make our lives miserable, but to make sure that we make it in life. You know why? Because if we um, spend our lives uh, going from emotional high to emotional high or living from emotional high to emotional high, it's not real life. Real life is in the trenches, in the wilderness, in the tough times, in the trials, in the testings, in the temptations, in the struggles. You're going to be there a lot this year. We're all going to be there a lot together. There are some people in this place right now who are grieving. There are people whose marital relationships are a mess. There are people whose whose, uh, family situation is a mess. There are people who have things against each other. There are people who have got health challenges. There are people who have got financial challenges. What are we going to do with that? God wants us to get us to the place 
where we know we are not sufficient in our own resources. And the only place that will happen is when he puts us in times of prolonged wilderness and toughness. Bread is good, but it's not nearly good enough. And that's what we learn as we move into this section of temptation and testing about appetites. How will you bear up when deprivation becomes the loudest noise in your life? And it sure will. The question in the, in the check mark, the spiritual checkbox for this third one is, am I a seeker of life rather than a materialist? Satan whispered in Jesus' ear, if you're the son of God, if you're so powerful and you're out here in this wilderness time, this desert time, you're out here fasting, if you're the son of God, why don't you just tell that rock to become bread? And I want to tell you that over and over again, the evil one is going to whisper in your ear this year, turn to your money for help. Turn to your job for help. Turn to your spouse for help. Turn to this situation for help. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Bread is good, but it's not good enough. You see, there's only one thing that will satisfy us fully. And that's what God wants, that's where God wants you to get to in your in your life. And and why not make it 2012? Where you get to the place where you finally realized that it's not in the material. It's in my relationship with Christ. He alone is enough. Listen. Our appetites have to become mostly spiritual. That's what this year has to be all about in your life. There will be fast times in your life so you'll learn that only God is enough. And the material in your life must serve the spiritual, not the other way around. Say no. Say no to your life serving the material. Otherwise, otherwise you will spend your life chasing the material. And because it isn't enough... It will chase you away from God with all the time that it will consume. Can I say that to you again? If you think the material is is, is gonna help you, you will spend your time chasing the material, all of your time. It will consume all of your time because it will never be enough. And it will keep you away from God. Are you a seeker of life or a seeker of material things? Well, Satan whispered another thing in the ear of the Son of God. In verse 6 of chapter 4, it says he takes him up to the uh, highest point of the temple. He says, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus, do something really out there to prove that God is real, to, that, that his word can be trusted. Go ahead, Jesus. Chase after spiritual junk food and one more spiritual high. Listen. Checkbox number four for this year. Are are you settled in in your trust in the Lord? Or are you always testing God to make him him prove himself real to you? You know, you need to abandon. and, And what we really have to do this year as we see what's happening in our lives is we have to abandon the insecurity of misreading wilderness times 
as if there's some sort of breach in our relationship with God or in His goodness or in His power or His ability or in His Word. Satan wants to continue to gnaw on your life and say, God really isn't going to do that. He he may have written that, but he's not going to do that for you. Go go ahead. Why don't you just jump out in front of a bus and see if he's with you always and will never forsake you? Why don't you just go ahead and try that? Why don't you just put God to the test and see how much he's going to protect you and look after you? You can't live off the addiction to spiritual thrills. Where is the next spiritual sideshow? What God wants for all of our lives this year is an unshakable faith. An unshakable faith that survives, no more than survives, an unshakable faith that excels in in the times where God is quiet, silent, and times are perplexing. We We need to get to the place in our lives where we so trust God and our faith is so fixed in him that we can be like Job, who when all the critics around him were saying, Job, surely something's gone screwy in your life. He was able to say, and surely God has kind of turned his back on you. He's, he's clearly abandoned you. Job was able to say in Job thirteen fifteen, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. That's the kind of faith that God wants us to have. It's the kind of faith that the three Hebrew boys had when Nebuchadnezzar was threatening to throw them in the fiery furnace. And they they looked at him, the the powerful king, and said, you know, our God who we serve is able to save us. But even if he chooses not to, we will not serve your idol. We will not bow our knee to you. We We will not so abandon our trust in God that we will try to take the easy way out. Faith is not, real faith is not being confused with fate or presumption. What Satan was really asking Jesus to do is why don't you force the Father to do a miracle to save your foolish decision? It's not the kind of faith that God wants us to have. That's just presumption. Faith is believing God can, but not forcing him to. Do you have that in your life this year? You're going to need it. And, and then the, uh, the third in this, this mini little series here in the desert was that um, the devil uh, took him to a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And, and he says to Jesus, I'll give you all this if you'll bow down and worship me. Literally, he was saying, Jesus, why don't you just think about yourself for a moment? I mean, I'll give you the crown, and you can bypass the cross. Think about yourself. Choose to, choose to be self-focused. What's Jesus say? Away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God, and serve him only. Hey, the fifth, the fifth checkpoint in your life is this. Are you increasingly freed from the addiction to your personal glory? Let, let me tell you something. This is a huge issue for ministry leaders. It's a huge issue for anybody who has some sort of responsibility in the kingdom of God. This matter of um, 
the platform from which you minister. I'm talking to Sunday school teachers here this morning. I'm talking to, to deacons. I'm talking to myself. Uh, I'm talking to, to ushers and, 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 and other responsible servants of God in this place, whatever your response. I'm talking with people who are on that platform doing ministry and music. The devil can use what you really crave to make you almost totally ineffective or what you think you want or what you're most concerned about. You know what we desperately need in our lives? To be liberated from self-consciousness that we might be freed to glorify Christ only. What was the first thing that Adam and Eve did when they sinned? Remember? They covered themselves. You know why? They became self-conscious. Until that point, they were God-conscious. It was all about God. It was all about God's glory. And that's the way it was intended to be and would have been. Our sin nature rears its ugly head all the time, saying, hey, what about you? Shouldn't you be getting something? We need to be free to serve God rather than worry about what I sound like, what I look like, what people think about me, so that I can be free to fully glorify Christ. That's why Jesus said you should worship him only, serve the Lord only. I'm not going to, be, I'm not going to choose my selfish way, which it would have been. I'm going to go to the cross. Because that's the way the Father will be honored and glorified. That's the way I'll glorify Him. There's a lot of people who aren't being baptized because they're wondering what people will think of them. I've been, people think I've been following Jesus for all these years. Well, sure you have. But you haven't been baptized. You don't want people to... Our staff have heard this on a regular case. I don't want to be baptized. I want people to know that I haven't been baptized. This is about the glory of Christ, not about self-consciousness. I can't get up in front of people. What will they think? What will I look like? What will I sound like? Who cares? It's about glorifying Jesus Christ. He will be well-pleased. Some people are, are unable to move forward because they've been offended. Jesus' first words, his first sermon, I'm offended. Repent. That's Jesus' first sermon. That's who we should be concerned about being offended, not us. There's a lot of ministry time spent propping up wounded egos that have no place in efforts to, that are allegedly about Jesus. Finally, Jesus continues on with his message in Matthew chapter 4. And he says in 19, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And it says at once they left their nets and followed him. The final uh, checkpoint this morning is, are you presently working with Christ on a mission of rescue? Tangible evidences of mission work are everywhere in your life. This was about Jesus uh, inviting us to go on mission with him, to, to, to be concerned about the rescue of people who are lost. 
John's message, John the Baptist's message was, prepare the way of the Lord. Bring down the mountains, fill in the valleys, uh, make it, make the king's highway, pr- prepare the highway for the king that he might come to your life. You know, we have an advantage here in Canada over the Americans. They, they don't know about king's highways. They just have interstates and things like that. So, but we know about king's highways here in Canada. Uh, king's highways were, were those roadways that were manufactured and put together because the, the king of the land wanted to be able to have easy access to his subjects and to his kingdom. That's what this message of the gospel is. That's what our salvation work is all about. That's what our mission work is all about. We know the King's Highway. We know where it is. King's Highway 2. You know where that is, Dwayne? People, people want to ask you where, how to get to King's Highway. You'd be able to tell them. Huh? You know what? Pastor Ken did exactly the same thing. He just took, went and pointed just like that. It's just quite amazing. You're definitely not directionally challenged, you two guys. You tell them where to go to the King's Highway. That's what our job is. Jesus invites us to go on mission with him and point people to the King's Highway. It's the highway of Jesus Christ. It's the highway to heaven. It's the way he's going because he's the way. It, it's, it's the direction he wants for your life because he's the king. He invites you to go on mission with him. The place where Jesus walks. The direction he goes. The places he's heading. Is that, uh, is that a big part of your life? There are tangible evidences of mission work that are obvious all over by how you spend your resources, your time, your talents. People say, man, you're on a mission with Jesus. That's what he wants for us this year. I can tell you that um, twenty twelve is going to be a great year. It's going to be directly proportionate to how passionate you are for Christ in your life. You want healing in your marriage? Then get it right with Christ. You want healing between brothers and sisters? Get it right with Christ. You, you want healing in your finances? Get it right with Christ. You want to have a passion for spiritual things? Get it right with Christ. Repent. Be a person of repentance. Get baptized. Serve God. Get rid of the pettiness of your life. It's not about you. It's about glorifying Jesus Christ. Can you imagine if Calvary Baptist Church, if all of us took all of this really seriously this year, and if we took all these checkpoints seriously, by the grace of God and his power, invited him to work in the areas where we're weak and we got strong, look what Jesus did with 12. I'm excited about what he's going to do with this mass of people this year. I want to tell you that um, after the service, pastors are going to be here at the front, and we're going to be looking for you to line up. Tell us you need to be baptized. Tell us you want us to pray with you and for you about something. 
that's related to this. Let's, let's get 2012 going with a real spiritual bang, shall we? That's what God wants for us. And now, we have this opportunity to gather together at the Lord's table and to make this a table of commitment this morning. To say, that God has spoken to me in some area of my life and I'm going to come here. This is an act of allegiance. I'm going to gather around the table of the Lord with a sense of new commitment to Christ. And what the Spirit of God was speaking to you about this morning is going to be dealt with. And you're going to seal it by participating today in this uh, memorial of what Jesus Christ has done for you to enable you to have the spiritual wherewithal to get this stuff in gear. So um, if you are one of the Lord's, you have repented of your sins and turned to Christ for forgiveness and love him with all your heart, serve him, are a believer, then join us at the table. Participate in the elements. If you are not, if you've never repented, then do not participate in the elements, but stay here with us. Better yet, John the Baptist's sermon, Jesus' sermon, the one that I copied this morning and am giving to you, is this. Repent. Turn from your old life and turn to Christ right now where you are because the kingdom of heaven is near and there is coming a day when the kingdom of heaven will be settled. There'll be no more opportunities. Today the invitation is open and then you too participate in the elements of communion. I'm going to invite, and after I pray, I'm going to invite Deacon Jeff to return thanks for the elements. Let's stand as we pray, and then you can be seated after that. Our Father and our God, we stand before you at the beginning of another year, a year, an exciting year, Lord. We know you are, are, are up to some amazing things this year. We, we don't know exactly what, but we know that we can anticipate some great and mighty and powerful things. And so we stand at the front of the year together, in prayer, calling on the name of the Lord. There is no one else to call on. You alone are the one who's powerful. You alone have all dominion and might. This universe is your universe. You are the one who overpowers the evil one and all evil and wickedness in this world. You are the one that wrestles people out of the bondage of evil and brings them into salvation realities. You are the one who called the universe into, into existence. You are the creator. You are the new creator, the one who creates uh, what, was, what was formerly broken. You make new. You fill what was unfilled. You form what was unformed. Oh, God, we thank you. And we will commemorate the great cost of that at this communion table, the Lord's table, where you, Jesus Christ, shed your blood, died that our sins could be forgiven, and are forgiven by trusting in you. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. There are six things that God put on my heart from his word for you for 2012. The first is repentance. Let's be a repentant people. Repent of our sins. Let's make sure that Our relationship is clean and clear with God all the time. Baptism. Baptism as a believer. 
If you haven't been baptized, you must be. It's a symbol of your allegiance. Give your old sin life a funeral service and follow him with full allegiance and loyalty. Material things. They're great resources to serve the spiritual. But they are very bad choices for satisfaction. Bread is good, but it's not nearly enough. Only Jesus Christ will satisfy. Don't run around after the next spiritual thrill or spiritual junk food. Trust in God, especially when the time is silent and quiet and perplexing. His word is true, and he's true to his word. Get rid of any undue addiction to yourself. In fact, get rid of anything at all that's fixated on yourself. We gather together. We've come together in a community of faith to glorify Jesus Christ alone, not to glorify each other. And certainly you don't want to glorify yourself. So let's make sure it's all about the glory of Christ. Let's get rid of the self-consciousness, what I look like, what I sound like, what people think of me. We only care about what Christ thinks and about making sure he gets all the glory. You know what? That'll liberate you to do amazing things in his name. And I would say to you that if any one of those five are out of sync, it explains why you're not on mission with Christ. If you're struggling in the area of mission, struggling in the area of passion for evangelism, struggling in the area to care for the souls of lost people, probably look no further than one of those other five checkpoints are out of spiritual sync. Get that stuff right, you'll get on mission with Christ real fast. That's what I hope 2012 shapes up to be like. Because I really think it's going to be that way. Because God is up to some great things. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for this day together. We bless you. We thank you. We praise you. We love you. We're excited about what you want to do. And we don't want to be in the way, Lord. We want to be a conduit of your blessing and everything that you want to accomplish in our lives individually, together, in this community, around the world. So, Father, have your way in our lives. We submit ourselves to you. We want to, by gathering here this morning, recommit ourselves Uh, to our loyalty to you in allegiance to Jesus Christ who gave his life for us, our Savior and Lord. Amen and amen.